Hello, friends, and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts Off the Post. Uh, with me, Mike Murphy, joined as always by Tom Ertz Jr., who I learned only, was it yesterday, when Shana called you Thomas, you prefer Tom. I do. Um, my general rule of thumb is I'm generally only called Thomas when I'm in trouble. Um, Thomas Vincent, if I'm really in trouble, but I really can't remember the last time either of those things that have happened, but there are people that call me a variety of things and out of my general disposition and, and politeness, I don't really correct people. I'm going to start calling you Tomahawk. Um, okay. Either Tomahawk or Tommy Gun, one of the two. Probably Tomahawk. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't like when people call me Michael. I never, I grew, I didn't like my name growing up. There's too many Mikes and Michaels. Uh, growing up, my family called me Mikey a lot. Uh, mostly because I was just a, a goddamn goofball. And um, in school, like, I called Murph, like, a writer in junior high. Like, there's so many Michaels that eventually I was just called Murph. And so now if you're in my personal life, you either call me Mike or Murph. Uh, those are the two acceptable names for me. If you or call if me Michael, Joe, yeah, you call me you things. Michael, Merkel, and all those yeah, weird but things. But sometimes at the start of shows, I would in- introduce myself as Mips or Merck. Uh, just because... Sometimes when you do a podcast for many, many, many weeks in a row, you you start to question what reality is. Anyway, speaking of questioning reality, Tom, we're going to start off with some questions from our lovely patrons, who without them, we wouldn't have a show. Um, First, from Kushtastic, who would win in a fight between Sam Rosen's nose and Mika Zibanejad's eyes? My response to this, of course, is these things are both treasures of uh, of rangers nation so national treasures of the garden faithful and we would not want to see them fight yeah i mean i guess like you could it's it's hard to answer this question but i guess with eyes you can give like a death stare so in this mythical reality where a pair of eyes are fighting a nose i guess you know they say looks can kill and uh go with the eyes yeah, you don't hear a lot about sniffs can kill. So, push comes to shove. Go with the eyes, Tom. I like that. Uh, his other question was, if you guys could pick any ranger, past or current, to resemble any character from a show, any type of show, or movie, any type, who would it be and why? Well, it's going to be Henrik Lundqvist as Bruce Wayne slash Batman because both are dazzling dazzlingly handsome uh rich beyond uh you know all belief drive fancy sport cars and spend the uh majority of their uh life uh wearing a mask i would like uh michael haley to look like marvel's the thing from the fantastic four and i believe it is self-evident why i would like that to happen I would like him to say it's clobbering time and things like that. <laughs> it's clobbering time. Oh, that's pretty good, Tom. Tom is a man of hidden talents. Uh, the one I mentioned before the show was the Filipino has a little bit of that weird, um, non-traditional handsome thing going on, like Benedict Cumberbatch has. Where like you can't quite place your finger on it. It's like 
I think that person is 18% cat, that sort of a thing. So, I don't know. I hope Filipino grows to be uh, handsome and distinguished like Benedict Cumberbatch, although that's not a character, that's a human being. Um, trying to think if there's any others I can really think of. Panarin is just so adorable. I don't, I don't know if there's a good character that he fits. Hmm. I'm trying so to think. Yeah, it's a tough one. This is a creative question. So I guess like we did with the serial one, we can have people submit their things. Um, I guess we'll do hashtag bannering points character. I know it's a long hashtag, but that's what it is. Your, your suggestions for players as whether it's, you know, comic book character, TV, movie, you name it. Hashtag bannering points character. I'd like to see Igor Shesterkin dressed up as uh, Victor Crumb from the Harry Potter series. Well, I I I think that would fit for uh, for Gorkiev since he's from Bulgaria. Yeah, but he's not dark haired. He's not dark of hair. We can wear a wig. Tom, we can all wear a wig, but I'm bald. Thanks for mentioning it. <laughs> Next question. Um. From Perennial Powerhouse, do you see a world in which Kreider is traded and returns to the Rangers via free agency? I assume teams and players have soft verbal agreements in these situations. Uh, side note, Mike is positive they do, but they'll never admit to that because it would be against the rules. Uh, would Kreider take a four or five year deal on a heavily front-loaded contract with playoff incentives to ease the cap hit? Tom, do you see that world? A world I mean, in which Crydiddles comes back? I guess you could say in all negotiations, there's a lot of stuff that happens underneath the table that doesn't get talked about for reasons. Um, I think in the case of Kreider, we'll get a sense of if that's a thing as negotiations go on, because I know in The Athletic, one of the proposals saw the Blues trading uh, Jordan Cairo and a first round pick to the Rangers for Kreider at 50% retained. And I thought that price was kind of high. Um, but I think it was the Eric Carlson trade from Ottawa to San Jose where they put sort of restrictions on, on the picks where like if Carlson is traded again, or if he were to, um, like leave the team or sign with someone else or, you know, the picks revert or whatever. Um, but I could see the teams going, okay, we will trade you this bounty for Chris Kreider, but if he does not resign with us, you only get this pick or it's a lesser pick. Um, yeah. We saw a very similar thing happen with uh, the other major, major trade of last year's so then with Zuccarello trade. Both of those uh, picks that came back from Dallas had conditions. And of course, uh, you know, it was a potential to be two first rounders, Tom, and the Rangers got no no first rounders. Yeah, it's uh, it's no secret, and it's been I think was the most recent Thirty One Thoughts uh, podcast episode where Kreider very much wants to remain a Ranger, and the I think the um, it was something to the effect of a number between. Um, six and a half and seven in like four or five years if if that's something Kreider would take because he kind of likes being a New York Ranger and 
theoretically that type of deal would be one that does pay him for what he's done and sort of what he would get on, on the market, but who knows what happens? Like to directly answer the question, I can see the world where Kreider comes back. Um, even more so than I thought there was an outside chance for Zuccarello uh, to come back. I think Chris Kreider, you know, has had such a unique relationship with the Rangers. Um, and, you know, he's like, I think it's even possible he gets traded, comes back and would be kind of re-entered into the captaincy discussion. Tom, that's how crazy Mike is. Um, the question, of course, is how much cap space the Rangers are going to end up uh, being able to work with. Uh, you know, if you have Strom, let's say you keep Strom around um, and, you know, you re-sign Brennan Lemieux, let's say he takes up, you know, no more than 1.4 or whatever million in cap. Um, then, of course, the big question is Tony D'Angelo. Uh, if Georgiev is gone, which I expect him to be, that's some more uh, cap space you don't have to worry about. Uh, Bleski's buried cap hit will be gone, uh, but you know he has a very small um, hit in terms of you know what he carries in the books. The same is true of Vlad Domestikov, but there's still that six million uh, from Shattenkirk in dead space, and a total of seven point, just under seven point five million, all told with uh, the Spooner and Dan Girardi uh, buyouts. Obviously, the Spooner was not directly the Rangers buyout, but uh, they're still in the books for it. So do I see a world where it happens? Yes. Do I think it's going to be really tough? Because, you know, there will be a team uh, that didn't get Kreider as a rental that says, that's fine, we want him for four years. You know, we mm -hmm. want him in the last, the last stages of the prime of his career, and we're willing to give him... You know the sort of money he's looking for it's, it'll be really interesting because you do kind of have to wonder what the front office might think is you know specifically in the case of the opportunity for a reunion with Kreider after a trade would they like a reunion with Kreider who's a 28 year old guy Tom or would they like to give a big contract with term to a 24 year old Tony D'Angelo who's proving himself to be one of the most productive offensive defensemen in the NHL this season. I mean, I love Chris Kreider, but I, I don't think that's a tough decision to make. Not to mention, I don't like the log jam on the right side, but I'd still, I'd still look at that. Cause it's, uh, those guys don't grow on trees. Yeah. It's, it's tough because, and well, this this comes up in a in a one of our Twitter questions in terms of like Kreider and, and the captaincy and, and negotiation, but it's uh it's got to be a fine line to walk for sure. Yeah, uh, moving on to uh, the next one is from Tall Guy Rob. He wants to know how worried are we about the speculation about trading Pavel Buchnevich? What type of return would be worth it to trade away? What seems like a building block for the Rangers. Thanks very much. I personally, Tom, I don't, I'm not too sold on how much fire there is 
to the very little amount of smoke, if any, there is with a potential Buchnevich trade. Um, furthermore, it's hard to be worried without knowing what the return would be. If the Rangers do a trade where they just do a kind of a hockey trade and they trade for a guy who's more of a north-south guy um, with a lower ceiling than Buchnevich, then I would be pretty upset. Um, because you have Buch here this year and next year. Um, then he's an RFA again, but he's at a 3.25 million cap hit. You know, he's 24. He's right in that wheelhouse of being young enough to be like a part of the periphery part of the core. You know what I mean? Like, uh, not the core core of the team, but a guy who can be an important part of the team as it builds and develops. But Buchnevich being here or not being here won't make or break this team. And I know as, as a Pavel Buchnevich, uh, Stan, an analyst and, and writer, I know that might break your heart, Tom, but I, I just don't, uh, Either way, I don't think it's the end of the world. I just think I'm not terribly concerned that the rumors right now have any legitimacy to them. And the other part of that is uh, it would be unusual for the Rangers trading away Buchnevich for it to be a trade that would really screw things up. Um, whereas I think the Rangers can afford to miss an opportunity with Chris Kreider at the deadline. They can't afford to settle for a bad solution for what the hell they do with Tony D'Angelo. They have to find the best path forward. So it's interesting. This question comes off the heels of the Kreider one because fact of the matter up to this point in their respective careers. So in terms of um, Buchnevich up to this point of his career um, in terms of games played and Kreider in terms of game played, um, Buchnevich was the better hockey player, more productive offensively, um, underlying numbers, pretty good compared to Kreider. I've posted them before, um, you know, to the point where people were like, oh boy, or, you know, whether or not they understand basic math is, you know, their prerogative. Um, but the way I look at it, even if you ignore all of that, you have Buchnevich for the rest of this year. You have him under contract next year at $3.25 million. You take the rest of this year. You take the majority of the next year. You see what he is. If he's a player that you want to keep around, you do that. And chances are you could extend him at a reasonable rate. If he shows a decline and he's no longer in the big picture, you trade him. But all this talk about salary cap issues, I don't see why you trade a guy making $3.25 million who's a top six offensive player, one of the best on the team in terms of underlyings. Um, people, yeah. yeah, like I can understand people. It, it's sort of like when you bring up Buchnevich's underlyings, it just seems that there's a different conversation. But you bring up the same thing with Panarin, and it's like, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. It, there is a double standard there. And it's it's so funny because even if you just look at the the you know the box car stats, the, the stats you find on the back of a hockey card, like Buchnevich's numbers are fine. They really are pretty good. Like he's right in lot he's right in line where you think he should be, isn't he? 
Yeah, for what and he's paid. Yeah, for what he's paid, for what he costs, and then like for for a guy who's a you know a, a high skill player who's you know like a lot of players who are not elite high skill players, there are consistency issues with the scoring, and by no means is that exclusive to to Booch and. You know, when he's put in positions to succeed and played with good players and played on the power play, he he scores. He he does what he's supposed to do. Um, it's interesting to me that this comes up. You know, just on just following uh, David Quinn, you know, making him something of a scapegoat, and uh, you know, looking. It's really interesting to me, Tom, because at the end of last season, I was talking about. Like, a, a real success of David Quinn um, was the way he kind of encouraged Buchnevich to transform his game a little bit more, to make him less of a perimeter player. The thing I think I'm struggling with here is his very nature is he's, as you've said multiple times, like, Buch is just, he's a pass-first playmaking player. He's not, he's not super north-south. He's not super just throw it on net. He's a guy who's looking to make skilled plays, and those are plays that generally speaking are more valuable than just being the guy who goes north south all the time you 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 can't have a team of only north south guys you need guys who can do what pavel buchnevich can do if you want to win hockey games create scoring chances yeah and the last thing i'll say about buchnevich because we have more questions um Mm -hmm. i know the, I know the rule of thumb when it comes to like UFAs that a lot of people use is like for every um for every a hundred thousand dollars you pay a UFA um you expect one point so if you are paying a player um you know three million dollars you want them to be like a a thirty point player you know and and things of that nature so he's making. 3.25 million he's at 28 points in 51 games now granted he's an rfa so um the maths the math's going to be um a little bit different because he uh, is on his second contract and all that but when you're breaking it out from a a cost perspective he's been fine and I don't know why um, people get so uh, upset about that, but yeah, it's 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 always interesting with Booch. Um, but to you know to to go back to you know the the source question there, um, you know from from Talgay Rob is it's interesting. Um, I'm not worried about the speculation. I'm. It's very intriguing to me that this has just been this ongoing thing with Booch, this uh, this kind of over criticism of his game. Uh, you know, he making turn like turning the puck over, making mistakes, is not exclusive to Pavel Buchnevich uh, in the Rangers lineup, and I think that goes without saying. Anyway, I think you have to read us our Twitter questions now, buddy. We gotta change tack. Okay, so let me open up your Twitter tab for bannering points okay so first question comes from uh their display name is mateo.blank at gmail.com uh do you know who the analytics folks report to within the rangers organization one would assume the gm or the head coach i don't know specifically i know that 
if you look on the the Rangers website, there's sort of like a directory, and you can find it of the um, basically like the hierarchy of things. Um, I know it's like Jim Sullivan is. It's like he's a director of a couple of different things, and um, analytics fall under him. So I would assume that maybe his his um, immediate report would be someone else, and then they automatically or they would report to Jeff Gordon. But I wouldn't think it's a situation where you report directly to the head coach. But I'm not sure specifically. Yeah, it is. That is very honestly a, a super interesting thing that Jim Sullivan is the director of player care and development slash hockey analytics and technology. It's interesting that he wears more more than one hat, considering how analytics as a whole has been the biggest change to the sports landscape in the past, you know, other than, I would say, a better understanding of things like concussions in the last couple of decades. Um, you know, to see, you know, the impact analytics has had on, you know, baseball and basketball alone, um, you know, we're going through a massive transition right now. And I know in, in the NBA is, you know, it's the small ball era, shooting threes now. Um, just, you know, and, you know, the counter argument to that is you want high percentage shots because analytics says high percentage shots. There's no higher percentage shot than a fucking dunk, son. But um, it's interesting to me that you have this much money as the Rangers and you have a guy wearing more, more than one hat, uh, director of player care and development, um, as well as the analytics and hockey technology and Jim Sullivan. But I imagine what happens is, uh, Jim Sullivan has people underneath him and he would report, uh, honestly more to Jeff Gordon and, uh, to David Quinn. And I would hope that, uh, John Davidson has a say in, what the communication there looks like. We've heard over and over and over again over the years that what uh, the stats that are made available to the public through places like Natural Stat Trick and Evolving Hockey um, are just not on... They're not the same stats that teams have, uh, and which makes some sense because in a lot of cases, the you know groundbreaking people who are really leading the way in creating analytics end up getting jobs in, in the NHL. Um, and, you know, they continue to develop tools and there are some tools that are, uh, you know, exclusive. And as you might imagine, uh, because it's sports, because it's business, because it's big money, a lot of those tools and that data are, you know, they're held close and teams protect them, you know, covetously. They don't want other teams to have the tools they have. With all those things being said, Tom, um, I think I would want more uh, than what the Rangers have in place, even though I have a very poor understanding of what they have in place. It just strikes me as curious to have a guy doing more than one thing. Yeah. Um, Isn't it weird? Just yeah. weird. It would kind of be cool to know in a broad sense of what they look at because obviously they're not going to give away proprietary information no one would expect them to but it's sort of give the fans a better understanding of the things that they value um 
I mean, I guess maybe they've been vague in that sense where we look at shot quality, not shot quantity. I know a couple of times, I've, as you know, the writers have brought up to Quinn now how the Rangers get routinely out chance, so... Maybe that's something that they factor in. Um, yeah, but we got a we got a different definition of a chance, Tom. Oh yeah, exactly. We got our own equations. We got fuck them. I mean, it's it, we heard it a lot with a sophisticated stats package. Um, you know, and we've also heard David Quinn says the only stat he cares about is winning. Um, but it is it's very interesting to me um, the way I think it works generally speaking is it's goes from the coaching staff and from the general manager because a lot of it has to do with player evaluation and player development you want to keep track of those numbers um you want to have a very very good idea of what those numbers look like and i know i'm trying to remember it was a recent episode of 31 thoughts where uh they had a, I forget what his name is so apologies in advance but they were talking to um, was it was it just Brad Tree Living? Oh yes, the um thirty one thoughts where he's talking about how the public spear maybe has like four hundred to five hundred events per game, where they yes, yes, might yes. have four to five thousand. Yeah, and he also mentioned like at the end of each game, you know, for the for the Calgary Flames, each player it boils down to a single score, right? So like, let's say in this podcast, because Tom does all the work. And Mike is just dead weight. I would get a score of eight. Tom would get a score of, you know, 23. And the idea there being that it is a tool that coaches and the general manager himself can use to evaluate and analyze players, but also to kind of determine, you know, if things are improving for a player, what they bring. And, you know, they, it's, it reminds me a lot of how game score is put together, you know, the multiple factors to just get it down to one number. Like, how many face-offs you win, how many face-offs you lose, how many penalties you take, uh, what was your coursey, what was your coursey against, what was your individual coursey, you know, going down the list and boiling that all down to a single number. And, you know, I would imagine that is the way that it is used at the, at the meta level within an organization, is tracking player development through analytics. Um but yeah, it, it, it's interesting because we don't get to see behind the curtain, especially with a team like the Rangers that uh, play so many things so close, uh, so close to the vest, and frankly, uh, have never been a big fan of Blue Shirt Banner. So um, I'm not sure we could get an answer from them if we tried. Yeah, I uh, I agree with all all of that. Um, we have next series of questions all touch on Chris Kreider. So um, we'll sort of group them together. So we have um, from Marty Beaumont. Uh, what is your prediction for Kreider traded? Yes. No. What team and what return? I think that they extend Kreider. Um, I feel that the way that things are headed that we've seen this scenario in recent years where they couldn't get a deal done with Hayes, but they traded him. They couldn't get a deal done with um, Zuccarello. They traded him. I think Kreider is someone who they legitimately like, and given the relative lack of death on the wing, they will try to keep him. I agree. 
the um, the second question um, from Sean. It's actually it's not so much a question, but I'll just sort of read through it. So more of a statement. Yeah. One, visit catfriendly.com. Two, go to players tab and select active players. Three, sort list by age. You're going too fast, Tom. Jeez Louise. I'm on active players. Now what do I do? Sort list by age in descending order. Sort list by age in descending order. I've already broken things, Tom. Okay, I've done that. Now what? Yeah, View list of 211 active players that will have turned 30 before July. I I did something wrong. Well, this is an exercise that we don't really have to do live. Other people can do this as well. But basically, it's discuss the findings, how they relate to re-signing Kreider. There are only a handful of players that are 30-plus that are worth the rumored $7 million extension, and every one of them has had a more productive career than Kreider. So, in a broader statement, yes, the two that immediately come to mind um, are James Van Riemsdyk and... Max Pacioretty, both of whom scored more than 30 goals in a season. Kreider has never scored more than 30 goals. He's never scored 30 goals in a season for that matter. Um, so I don't think he's going to get 7 million. And I think we talked a, a little bit about this on the other show um, in, in part here where Kreider is someone who the Rangers might want to keep because he wants to be a ranger and it might be in that six and a half million dollar range so um again it's um we'll find out soon enough but i think that that they they want to keep him and if they they trade him it, it would be an offer that just simply blew them away yeah i feel that it's I understand the point. Uh, this, you know, this this more of a directive than a question was was freaking up. But it is Kreider. All things considered, he's such a valuable player in this trade market, um, and he's such a, u- a unique and interesting player in terms of his age and how that could potentially maybe fit into the Rangers rebuild. And I, I just think he's just. I, I know I've said this before, Tom. I wish he was two or three years younger. Um, unfortunately, he's not. And we have one more Kreider-related question. Sure. If the From Jason Silberman. If the Rangers do extend Kreider long-term, do you think the Rangers will, ha- will name him the next captain? And if not him, who would you predict is the next captain, and when would he be named? Um, I feel like... It, the next captain's going to be Mika Zibanejad. Just how they've positioned him all year. How they positioned him during the preseason. Uh, how they marketed him and his leadership qualities. And he's sort of been the um, like the team's spokesperson. So I, I think uh, it's going to be Zibanejad. And it will be in the offseason or um, before uh, the start of next season. Like, with, like training camp. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's really like, I, I, I know Kreider's going to get 
it's one of those things we just have to admit it, right? Like, Kreider's going to get kind of talked into the ground up until the deadline, but that's it's to be expected, frankly. He is... What happens with him is probably the biggest story right now with the Rangers, just because he is that he is that big ticket in the rental market, and you know there are a lot of people who think he should sign and extend. And like you said, the rumored contract and everything—it's I don't know. I don't want to be boring and just say cosign, but yeah, cosign. All right, so we have a couple of other questions before we get to them. We will uh, take uh, an ad break. Ad break. All right, we are back uh, with uh, bannering points off the post. We are answering your questions submitted using the hashtag bannering points. Um, Sean had another question, um, this time more direct. Whose trade value do you think is higher, Strom or Buchnevich? So I think Strom's trade value is higher because A, he has more of a body of work this year. Um, B, he's primarily a center, but he also plays wing. So there's that versatility. Um, and he's a restricted free agent. So any team that acquires him would be in a position where if um, they only want to keep him for one more year, they can, and then they can potentially... Um, leverage him um, where Buchnevich has a little less of a track record um, and uh, I, I just think given what we know and, and how, how this league sort of works it just seems that centers are viewed as um, more valuable so I would say Strom at this point yeah I would I would agree with you pretty much based on like, if I'm making a list, the first thing on my list is that Strom's ability and experience playing center is what makes him more valuable. Um, Booch is cost-controlled for one season, and then he'll be an RFA like Strom, and that is definitely a point in, in his favor, especially because Strom is going to come in uh, you know, at a much higher cap hit than $3.25 million, which is where Booch is right now. Uh, so I would give that in point like in favor of Booch and like let's say that makes them draw even you know even though that's a very inelegant way to to put this together but just in terms of a player's perception around the and the league and the sort of year they've been having I think Strom would have the higher value just because of you know his transformation since becoming a ranger has been a great story it's it's a story that a lot of people around the league are familiar with familiar with um you know not just the teams that had him and and passed on him or traded him away uh and you know that that center thing's a big deal tom teams want that center depth especially before the playoffs uh i'm not sure as many teams you know this Kreider is so interesting because of uh, his specific skill set um and booch is a really creative player but he's not a physically imposing player he's not a guy who can skate through a brick wall like Kreider um he's also you know just he's I don't like using this word specifically for Russian players but he's you know more of a kind of inconsistent second line scoring winger um you know I, I tried very hard to avoid the, that horrible word enigmatic that we hear attached to Russian players because I don't think Buchnevich is enigmatic I just think he's a 
perfectly adequate to very good second line scoring winger. Um, but I just think on the trade market, it's the center um, with Ryan Strom has more value. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, next question comes from Eric Carlson. What video games are you guys playing right now? Um, I don't really have a lot of time for video games, unfortunately. Um, but I do want to eventually You're get around, square, maybe this weekend, play um, Cuphead on the Switch. Cuphead's we'll great. If that happens. Wait, you have a Switch? I do. I don't have a lot of time to play it, but I, uh, Why I have a Switch. Why Switch friends? What the fuck? I don't think I'm Switch friends with anyone. I never really set any of that up. I just, like, I'm going to play Pokemon, and that's it. I can trade you Pokemans, you idiot. Oh, well, I guess I'll have to get on that. We can send pictures to each other. Naked pictures. Clothes pictures. Everything. God damn. You playing any video Uh, games right now? (laughs) Uh, I am playing... I just played uh, Breath of the Wild. And mm-hmm. I just play playing Pokemon Sword, uh, which at the age of 34 uh, makes you feel very old uh, playing the, the newest generation of Pokemon games because they really do hold your hand and kitty it up for you. And uh, there's a lot of cringeworthy things, but deep, deep in my core, I just want to travel around in the wilderness and throw things at animals and capture them in small balls. So it speaks to my soul. Um... I was also playing uh, Snipper Clips, which is very fun on Switch. I would recommend that as a great party game. That's the, uh, what the hell is it called? The Jack Party Box games are really fun. I play those whenever there's like a social gathering. That's what I end up playing with my friends. Um, and the game I play when I, like you, I don't have a, as much time as I'd like to play video games, but the game I play when I have like, 20 minutes before going to bed, although right now what I've been doing is watching The Sopranos finally, because I never watched that show and now I'm watching it, um, is I play The Binding of Isaac, uh, which is a very unique dungeon crawler game that uh, aesthetically is not for everyone because it's super weird and gross, but um, it's addicting. Or it's addictive, I should say. And I, I enjoy it very much. So Pokemon and Binding of Isaac, I guess, is the short answer good answers and maybe i'll find some free time to play some games and i'll be able to uh we gotta be best friends on switch what the hell you you shane and i could all be playing switch together that's a good point i'll have to get on that you do next question comes in from panero in 2020 if the injury to frederick anderson is long term do you think the leaves will be calling gordon about gorgiev immediately um as we're recording this show on um, TSN's insider uh, trading, um, Bob McKenzie was talking about how um, you know internally there's this sense that how the um, how the game went last night for the Leafs, in which they they blew a lead in the third period for um, against the Panthers with. Um, backup Michael Hutchinson and goal that sort of bit was like a turning point to this is something that they need to address um so I think that 
they will engage in conversations concerning Gorgiev. Um, I know that some people have also suggested um, because he's an expiring free agent, um, Craig Anderson of the Ottawa Senators. Um, there's a couple of options that Toronto could go in, but I think there's reason to believe that they could see Gorgiev as someone who's a starter of the future and it, it, it would make sense for um, a variety of reasons. Yeah, it, my opinion is I already feel like they have talked and called about Gurgiev. Um, you know, we've heard some scuttlebutt about that. If they didn't do it before this injury, they're definitely doing it now. Um, the Toronto is a team, Tom, that they just can't afford to not make the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? They... After all the changes they've been through, after, you know, the Babcock firing and, you know, all the money that's been thrown around, the Mitch Marner situation, um, you know, William Nylander situation last season, uh, the captaincy, uh, the offseason scandal with Austin Matthews, they, they need to be in the playoffs. Um, and... It's really interesting to me be with Freddie Anderson because uh, I think Anderson is a very good goalie. Um, but he is 30, and after next season, he's UFA. So like you said, they this is a team that really could should be considering a not just a, a guy to kind of spell Freddie Anderson, um, but a guy to maybe be part of the solution there. If, you know, maybe they have a 1A, 1B situation, and Georgiev is part of that, but... You know, you can make a strong case, Tom, that Georgiev could be a an above-average starting goaltender in the NHL, like a workhorse starter, um, like that he might have that potential in him. So, this is something the the Leafs would definitely should definitely be looking into very, very closely, um, because this is because you know this is an area of need for them, and and it has been for a while now. And uh, Michael Hutchinson is not who they want to have uh, you know the fate of their franchise resting on their shoulders if there's a significant injury with Freddie Anderson. Yeah, and I think also the thing to consider is the way the league is going, the days of of the the starter that plays 60, 70 plus games a season is sort of um going away. So if Gorgiev is a guy who can give you 50 to 55 starts a year, I think that's that's something they look at because you, I guess you look at Boston, they've had a, a share between Tukarask and, and Halak, um, Dallas with, with Ben Bishop um, and Kudobin to an extent. So it's the way of the world right now. And um, it's not like if they add Gorgiev, he's going to immediately going to have to play 60 games. So yeah, I, I think there's, there's potential there. We have two more questions so two more we have from world by mike how much how much longer will jd allow dq to embarrass the club after the dallas game (laughs) he again called out booch in a game where he scored called out hank when he was getting no help but the crowd was chanting his name never dq's fault is this the culture jd wants how much longer, Tom? How much longer will uh, will JD allow DQ to 
to embarrass the club. Um, yeah, it, it's it's so tough to me because uh, you, we we've had a lot of talks about like how much leash we think David Quinn has. Um, it's I'd be very interested to know how whether there's been any change in you know what the perception is of Quinn because remember JD wasn't here when Quinn was hired that to me is a very interesting you know twist in all this like uh whether or not you know like uh, philosophically they they align you know what i'm saying um, yeah but uh if JD was able to you know cohabitate and endorse uh, John Tortorella and i'm not saying that Tortorella and Quinn are by any means similar um, in personality or, or coaching strategies, but I would imagine that JD is can kind of go along with anyone um, or, you know, adapt himself uh, if he feels like the guy he has behind the bench is the right guy. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me because I want to know, it, and this, you know, for many different reasons, this is, there's no more peculiar time, I think, to be an NHL head coach than right now, um, given with all the, the scandals that have that have come to light this year, and how we see coaches who are, you know, coaches who have undeniable success and are so highly regarded, um, like Gerard Gallant got fired. Like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> how the hell did that happen? Joel Quinville got fired from uh, the Blackhawks. And, you know, obviously Babcock, like, it's it's crazy. Um, I don't think any coach's job is ever 100% locked down safe anymore. Like, I think those days are gone, don't you? Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. It's, um, it's, it's a tough situation because you look at where this team is in its rebuild and I doubt that they would make any um, significant change too soon. I think the the point where you take the temperature is, depending on how they address the deadline, how they address the offseason, how does this team start next season? Are they pulling in the right direction? Are they making those strides and improvements that you would expect a team to make? And then if they're not, then you... You see what's going on and you make some tweaks. And then if at that point nothing changes, then you start having a conversation because they've invested so much in, in this rebuild in turn, whether it's time and money that they're going to want to have this be a, a seamless, um, upswing. And at the first moment, they, they sort of see things going off the rails. They are, um, going to try and, and address it. But I think for now it's, it's, I can understand where fans are coming from, the perception of it, but I don't think that it's something that um, is setting off any alarms in the uh, the front office upstairs. Um, so then this one's not really a question. This is from Joey D. Um, not really a question, but I'm tired of people saying that Hank should get traded or bought out. They were cheering when he that he got pulled. They were going to lose anyway, so why complain about Lundqvist when there's plenty of other things to compare complain about? It's um, I don't know. 
Henrik Lundqvist has given his all for this franchise. He is going to go down as the greatest player in the history of this franchise. Um, people just like to complain about things. They want to complain, oh, he's taking time from Igor, he's taking time from Gorgiev, but this is a this is a rotation that the, the organization is going to have to work through. And I don't see how getting Oliver Hank for every little bitty thing is um, just worth the time. You don't throw away everything he's done for these moments where he struggles when he's been their best goalie this year. Um, when you look at it from all perspectives. So I don't really understand it, uh, to be frank. But I do in some respects, but I don't try to entertain those segments of Rangers Twitter. Some men live to watch the world burn. There will be, there will always be a, uh, a minority, I think of, of Rangers fans who are quick to blame the team's shortcomings on Henrik Lundqvist without being quick to like uh, credit him with the team's successes. Uh, which is a great shame uh, to me because as great as Lundqvist is, I think it's it's pretty clear to me that he doesn't get quite as much acclaim uh, as he deserves for how good he was for how long he was. You know, he and Carey Price were the goaltenders of the decade, uh, you know, for me, in terms of what they achieved and the consistency of their play. And in my opinion, Lundqvist really edged out Price. Um, I know there's no cup ring. Uh, you know, I know there's no there's no ticker tape parade. I know all that. It uh, doesn't really matter to me. It's, it's a crazy thing to think that there is a not an insignificant part of the Rangers fan base that seems to always be ready uh, to, you know, to sharpen their knives and to come for Lundqvist and to cheer when he's pulled. Um, when he, I don't know what more a guy could do, Tom. <laughs> like, uh, he can't score the goals, folks. And yep. uh, that was proven over and over again that he can't also score the goals. Yeah, people remember all the great things he did, stopping pucks in the uh, the Stanley Cup final, but he didn't score any goals, so I guess that's his fault. Yeah, that one's on him. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, goalies, it's in your name. Make some goals. Look at Igor shooting for the empty net, showing, taking I, some initiative. I, I fucking loved that he did it. Such I, a baller move. It's such a, it just shows that he has like 30 pounds of testicles in his hockey pants. It's just, <laughs> it's so audacious. And I, and like, I, I remember when he made that great stretch pass. Um, and I was talking to you about like, when's the last time the Rangers had a goalie who could fucking make a pass? It's been a long time. Apparently it's, it's, Alex Alt. Alex Alt. Wow. That's what Valaketa said on the, one of the uh oh was, is that is is that right yeah he was um i think he had like texted alex ald and and then like ald was like maybe that's why his career didn't last along with the rangers because torts would have a conniption whenever he would try to play the puck see i like goalies who play the puck i just don't like goalies who play the puck like mike smith 
Yeah. It's got to it's got to be done within reason, but I like a goalie who plays the puck. I like the idea of having another guy back there who can who can create those breakouts. It's fun. It's just fun. I, I hope he gets one in during his career. It's he definitely has the uh, the strength and the accuracy to do it. Just comes down obviously, you know, Pecorino did it very recently. Um, we also had a go- former Ranger Cam Talbot. We had a goalie fight too, Tom. Yeah, that my uh, my nephew has not stopped asking me to watch that highlight. When I told him about it, he's like, "I have to watch this." I need to see how this happened. I did not know goalies were allowed to fight. And every day I've come home from work, he's like, can we watch the highlights? That's adorable and also proves that he has a a taste for blood. Yeah. Uh, We'll end on this from John Papadi. Hey, Murph and Utsi. Um, Missing a letter there. He's got a nickname. And uh, enjoy the show, but was curious if you would ever do a live show. I think you have great knowledge of the team, but I think fans would like the opportunity to rebut some of the things they don't agree with, what you think, give the fans a say. Um, We've done live shows before, um, this podcast, not me and Mike. Um, It's it's something that takes time, planning, and money, Um, so we'll never say never, but... um, We'll see. I, I like I said, never say never, but it there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just like, you know, one, two, three switch. I've done two live shows. I don't know what you're talking about, sir. Um I did two live shows, both with uh, the good buddies uh from Blue Shirts Breakaway. So uh Tom Tom and I, I, I can see us doing a live show. I would imagine we would do it during the off season uh, or just at the start of the season when things are a little less insane in both of our lives. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't see why not. Is there really that many things we say that are, are, are points of contention? That's what I'd like to know. I know we're very negative. That's the, the biggest uh, criticism of our show, Tom, is we're a bunch of negative bastards. I would, I would skew towards cynical. Um, Realistic. Pragmatic. But you know when I when I try and drag this show into the land of silly hijinks, Tom resists. He, he resists me like like a lover gone cold. He just doesn't he doesn't want to enter the, the the land of wackiness with me. And on that note, <laughs> thank you for submitting your hashtag bannering points. And uh, as always, we love your your thoughts. You can send more of them. Um, if you sign up for the Patreon, um, you get some cool stickers. You can get some mugs. We can make some... leggings, by the way. We can make leggings with the the banter, bantering the blue shirts logo yeah. on it. We're we're what, we're what kicking around some ideas. A canvas bag. You like a canvas bag? Go green canvas. Maybe we can try that. I love you, Tom. I love you too. Take care, everyone. See you next week. Bye.